Hey everybody, before we get started today, we have some vital news for Apple Podcast listeners. In case you haven't heard, Apple recently did another update. This update kicked a lot of our followers off the show and paused notifications for new episodes. It even happened to some of our own team members, so you definitely want to check out your settings. To see if this happened to you, open your podcast app, search for the 200% Life, and select the show page. In the top right corner, you may see either a follow button or a pause symbol. Tap either one of those to make sure you are following the show and getting new downloads. This really helps you by making sure new episodes show up in your feed so you never miss an episode. It also makes sure new episodes are downloaded to your phone so you can listen to them when you're not connected to Wi-Fi. It's also really helpful to us. When you follow the show, the algorithm helps us spread the 200% life philosophy to new listeners. This is true for other platforms as well. So while you're at it, whether you listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or another favorite platform, please be sure to hit the follow, subscribe, or like button. This helps us reach new listeners and teach them how to use business as a conduit for their personal growth. And as always, we'd love to hear any questions you'd like us to cover on the show. Maybe it's a situation you're struggling with personally or a topic you think would be helpful to a friend. You can drop your questions in the Q&A box in the show notes on Spotify or you can email us at hello at adamhergenrother.com. And don't forget to turn on your notifications to be alerted when we cover them. Welcome to the 200% Life Podcast with Adam Hergenrother and Caitlin Frotlin, where we bring you weekly insights into spiritual growth and business success. You know, one of the uh, most interesting questions that we get a lot, and I think this, this stems from um, people searching for the right answers, which I love hearing this, which is just, how do I know I'm living my authentic life? Um, how do I experience my authentic self? And I think people say this in different ways. I think they ask it like I want to, they actually use the word authentic. I think also times people use the word, um, like, how do I know I'm living on purpose? How do I know that I am living from God's wishes? How am I know that I'm living to do what I'm supposed to do? There's a lot of different ways people use that language, but essentially what people are asking is, how do I know, how do I know I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing here? Yeah. Is that what I want you to think about? Totally. Yeah, yeah. And I think a lot of people that listen to this are probably also wanting to serve. Like, how do I serve at yeah. my highest level and serve my purpose and, yeah, experience that? It's like, really. yeah, it's like, what what am I supposed to be doing here? It's yeah, the other yes. way. It's like I'm yes. trying to ask people, ask that question. Like, <clears throat> what is the what is the purpose or what is, what is the point of me being here, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I want to get into a, um, a listener emailed in. And so I want to get into that question in a second. But part of that is, is like, what is the purpose of me doing here? I think the way I would start this this off, and we'll get into some tactical things that we can do this, which is um, I, I believe that the purpose of your life is to remove the part of you that's preventing you from experiencing life fully, which is, again, like we talked about in the last episode, just really removing, releasing of some scars. You're letting go of the part of you that's blocked so you can truly experience yourself experiencing yourself. And that's really what, if you want to use the, the word enlightenment or state of consciousness that's high, it's somebody that is fallen back and experiencing themselves. They're, not, they're no longer living mind or ego or self-concept. They're truly living in there. And I think until people start um, experiencing that, what that means, they're going to ask that question their entire life, which is why we talk about this in the book about, you know, for, you know, hundreds of years ago, thousands of years ago, they've had this 
transcribed uh, into pyramids, which is like know thyself. It's like breadcrumbs. Before you come in here, understand what this means, know thyself, which is almost the same thing, right? It's like, why am I supposed to be here? Well, if you know thyself, then it's you, you no longer search for yourself through action. And I still, too many people right now are trying to find their authentic selves through doing. They're trying to find themselves in their work. They're trying to find themselves in service. They're trying to find themselves in how do I go contribute? They keep asking that question. They keep asking the question about how do I do something outside so that I can have my authentic self inside. I think their question needs to be reversed, which is how do I remove the part of me that wants to even ask that question so you can just sit there in face of life and handle and accept or you know raise the moment up in front of you that's there. And that's the highest level of service that you can do. So while you lo- I love the question, which I think people are doing is, I would start to think about it differently in terms of asking, how do I go serve or how do I know that I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, which is a great question, I'm doing me wrong. I would, I would then turn around and saying, well, why do I even need to ask that question? Why, why can't I just be in the moment? And if I'm in truly the moment, if I'm present, if I'm aware, if I'm in the, the power of now, if I'm in now, there is no other thing for you to do but serve or but contribute in some way or another. It may just be contributing to your body. It, may, it, doesn't, it doesn't mean you're around people. It's just it no longer needs to be answered in the way that you think you need to be answering it. Right now, people are looking for an intellectual answer or for somebody to almost write them out a note that says you should be in this career, in this profession, helping this many people. That, that, is, that is still ego. That is still how I am going to feel better about serving in the world versus stopping and going, if I just don't even, like a tree doesn't think about who am I gonna give these apples to, right? It just finds itself making apples and dropping apples, mm-hmm. right? You know, when I was, I went to a, um, a safari in um, uh, Singida, which is the largest private game reserve after I climbed Kilimanjaro. And the, the thing that I actually used to teach a course on this, it was like the seven things I learned in Kilimanjaro. It might've been nine, but whatever it was, back in like 2013. Um, I taught it for like two years. It was, I, but one of the, the, the main things that I learned from that is how everything is so interconnected. Like all of nature, and as an example of this, like when we were out there for 14 days, you know, a bird would come and open up a certain leaf and that leaf would then um, open up to a fruit that some monkey would get, but then the monkey didn't eat the shell of that. The shell would drop and then the shell would then allow some other animal to grab that shell. And that from the animal like digging up the shells, it opened up room for worms. It was like everything had a, had, a, had its nature and had its place that was contributing, that was servicing. But it wouldn't see it like that because we get so caught up in how do I feel about I'm servicing? How do I feel about I'm contributing? Versus just flowing with life is your actual service, is your actual contribution to it. And, and again, so we have to take the intellect out of asking that question, which is nothing wrong with asking that way. And you just simply fall back into what I'm being asked of from the moment, not generating some grand plan of how I'm going to serve or how I'm not, because you may or may not, that may or may not be in your cards, right? But what you can do, I think the highest form of service to raise the moment that's in front of you. So if the moment is better off for having passed by you, and you're always in service, you're always in contribution, you're always helping. Just like, again, if that bird doesn't sit there and go, I'm contributing to the, the society of nature, right? It doesn't say that. It just knows that it's grabbing this 
and taking the you know the the nut off the tree to allow for other animals that's in, that's in service of nature yeah it reminds me, totally it reminds me of people and i've asked this question many times like what is my gift you yeah. know which makes it about like what is my thing and it's actually a form of like control and manipulation in a way because yeah. it's like in order to do that the moment has to be right where i can contribute this gift rather than just showing up and just doing whatever is asked yeah it's a beautiful question and i love the fact that people orient themselves but it's just, it's like the splitting of the ego. It's almost as like, you know, it's like, and when sometimes when we think about death, like the ego will go, uh, I want the ego to die so I can go live my life. Mm. And it's the splitting of the ego. Mm. The ego says that to you and you go, of course I want the ego to die so I can go live my life, but that's all ego. Yeah. And it's the same thing here, which is just, I'm gonna go find my passion and serve so that I can feel like I'm serving. Again, it's just a shape shift at the deepest level until you get further back, you don't see that. And then you start to see that and you realize, Wow, that is that was the splitting of my ego and dropping off over here, but still being in control. Yeah, and that's why it's such a shapeshifter. Yeah. Like it, it literally will shape in every degree, and it'll just split off, and that's the power that it has with it. So when you think about authentic self, I, I would I would if you keep doing the deeper work, if you keep doing the work that we talk about on this podcast a lot, it makes you a better business leader. It makes you a, a fierce business competitor. It makes you a better parent, a better human. Everything that you do becomes lighter you become more joyful. Therefore, you become a contribution and service to anybody else around you because you're not bringing your garbage into the world. The other way of thinking about contribution is the more clearer you are and cleaner you are, the more cleaner you're bringing in the world, which is, again, the highest form of contribution. And so the more that you can do this deeper work, that is your contribution to things. Your authentic self is here to experience itself. And if you're experiencing yourself, you're the highest form of raising the moment. So that is the highest form of contribution. Now, we can talk about how we get to that process, but understand that if you, if working at the root, which is what the Buddhists refer to that as, right, is working at the root. By the way, it was, I was thinking about the Buddhists. My daughter is, is studying um, the Buddha in uh, sixth grade right now. And I, I, so are we get an email that says what they're working on? And I saw that. So I was like, I was driving with her today. I was like, oh, so you're, uh, you're studying... Um, Chinese philosophy and you're gonna get into uh, Buddhism and you're studying the Buddha. And she's like, yeah, I go, you know, all of life is suffering. She's like, how did you know that? Right? Like, it was just funny. I was like, and I was like, the cause of all suffering. And she's like, desire. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, or you can think about preference. And I'm like, so I went through like Buddha's noble truths. And she's like, how do you know? That? I'm like, well, this is what we, this is what I do. This is the stuff we did. We got into that whole conversation. It was pretty funny. Um, and then the next day we're driving down there and she's all bent out of shape about her, one of my kids punched uh, uh, we have these little punch cards that you have to punch a hole in it 10 days before Christmas and you get like a little treat. Mm -hmm. And Maddie punched hers and she was all bent out of shape. And I go, what was Buddha's first noble truth, Sienna? And she's like, I don't want to talk about it, dad. Like it was <laughs> like, I was like, this is the suffering that you're causing. You're suffering because you had a preference that you wanted to it. And I said, it's like a tiny little toy that you'll not even remember that you had tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And think about the suffering that you're bringing into the world. That's the lack of contribution, by the way. That's the lack of contributing to this thing because now you're polluting and bringing that into the world. So that authentic self is really the deeper side of this is the clearer you get, the more work you can do in yourself, the more you will naturally contribute to life. Well, the Buddhists also say do no harm. And I think yeah. too, as you see the ego working in the world in all its kind of mischievous ways and realizing just not doing anything is really much better than yes. working through the ego. Yes. Yeah. You know, we talk about relax and release and act a lot. And the action, um, a lot of times, which we can get into a little bit later, but a lot of times action, there is no action. 
there, there isn't anything for you to do. And just like you said, a lot of times people, they, they, they react to an event, some scar happening, a disturbance happening, and they feel like they need to go do something outside to make themselves feel better inside. Well, if you release it, then you don't need to do something outside to make yourself feel better because you feel fine. So that's why the lack of, the, it's, it's action, it's nor action nor not action is what they refer to as, right? Action versus non-action. It's the same thing. You only act if you need to act. Most people are acting purely for the egoic self, meaning that I, when all ego means is that I'm trying to get myself okay inside. Forget about the world, I'm trying to get me okay. So what you do is you act in a way that's gonna make your inner experience better. And that, that is the definition of ego, right? In terms of that, if you wanna think of it that way. And that's why we feel inauthentic because we're actually acting on behalf of trying to make ourselves okay. And authenticity in the world is really about you interacting with the world from a clear state. So anytime that you're acting from a state of um, disturbance or uncomfortableness, you're not acting, you're not necessarily contributing and surrendering to the highest ability that you can. Now you may intellectually convince yourself that since I'm helping somebody, I'm still doing this, and there may, that may be way better of handling it that way than another way. You could say, I'm not getting angry. Great, it's a higher state of consciousness, but it's not the state of consciousness. It's not the highest form of consciousness. It's a better state of consciousness. First, if you're angry and you used to punch somebody and you're angry and now you punch a punching bag, it's probably a better state of consciousness, but there's another level. And that's just kind of the same thing that continues to go on with authenticity, is that there's 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 layers, there's onions to this, that you just, onions, there's just layers to the onion that just keep peeling back of different levels of authenticity. At some point you just recognize that the deepest level of authenticity is to do this deep work, because then you show up and you're centered and clear to handle anything. And I think that's what this question too really yes, gets at, yeah. so let's read that. Um, I'm in the process of listening to the untethered soul and reading the power of now, and they they obviously both really drive home the need to separate you from your thoughts. And while I understand logically that it is necessary, the problem is I'm really struggling with how to actually do that. Eckhart Tolle says, this I am realization, this sense of your own presence is not a thought. It arises from beyond the mind. So how do I go beyond the mind to experience that? Is meditation key or is it as simple as taking Michael Easter's advice, get out of yourself, which was something you shared in the newsletter, whether it means going for a walk in nature, or volunteering, etc., and hoping that the realization comes while you're distracted from your mind. What do you think? So, I mean, I think there's probably many ways to do this. Like, so the ex I think the experience of being behind your mind and witnessing and just being able to sit there in silence, however that comes up, um, and just for me at this point, it's like glimpses I mean yeah. this is not yeah. extended period of time but just little glimpses of like oh my mind is quiet in this moment who who is there if my mind is quiet and even just in the watching of a very 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 chatty mind like oh I'm watching this very chatty mind and so to me that that thing behind I don't even know what to call it, it does feel expansive like it does feel um, almost bigger than like body self right. whatnot yeah you know it's uh i always like to think about this is um you can't find it in thought and this is what i think a lot of people are going to do this particular question is like you're trying to find the answer in the intellect or trying to find you're trying to find yourself through thought which is the self-concept that you created and so when you the more that you're trying to find your authentic self through intellect or through words which is that the primarily way of how you listen to things inside there it's not going to be that's why it's got to be a knowing that's why the old adage which is 
you know, you can't mistake the menu for the meal. You can read a menu and it can help orient yourself to making a decision that you're doing, but the meal, when you eat a, you know, an orange tastes a lot different than reading about an orange in a menu. And that's your knowing. And if most people are just reading right now and then rereading it, thinking that that's the experience or mistaking it that that's the meal. And so then they get more hooked into the intellect of thinking that's what it is. The awareness or the being is is where the only place you can truly experience the knowing. And, it, and if remember, if the mind is talking and you find yourself listening to it, that's not you. That is the mind. That is once you become aware again that the mind had been talking that you had paying attention to it, then you go, how do I know? That's what kind of what you said right there. How do I know that I'm listening to this? How do I know that I'm aware? And then the other way you can say is that like who am, who is the one that hears this? Right. I mean that's the question that I always ask myself is. How do I know my physical body is sore? How do I know like I can feel like I'm getting a little sick? How do I feel like I have a tremendous amount of energy right now? How do I feel, you know, how do you know? How do you know? Because you're in there knowing. But the minute that you try to point it back to the mind, which is what you do, it's almost like you quickly get it for a second and then you instantly put it back. Mm -hmm. And you want the mind to tell you about it because you're so addicted to the mind doing that that the minute you get a glimpse of this experience, it, your mind jumps in and goes, let me tell you about the experience. And so then you go, yeah, tell me about the experience because you're so addicted to it. That's why the further you get back, the less that mind will jump in the, the, and you'll just find yourself basking deeper back there. And then you'll see the mind come in there and go, would you like me to narrate it for you? And you're just like, no, I don't need your narration. Thank you. Like, and, you're, and it just kind of goes away. But we're so, we're all of us are so addicted to that mind that it, it, the minute we get a glimpse of that, the mind wants you to, it, to be, remember, the self-concept only survives, which is another form of ego. It's a masquerading self I've heard it described as, like the mask that you see, the masquerading self. It's not the self, it's the masquerading self or the self-concept, which a self-concept is a concept. Concepts are not real. So the only way a self-concept can persist is if it has energy on it. So the minute you fall back and start to become aware or the knowing of you, it instantly drains energy away from the self-concept. And the, the self-concept feels that, so it instantly triggers itself and goes, pay attention to me. So the minute it wants you to pay attention to me is so that you can now, it can go back to its energy, which is why, that's how it survives. So that's why, you know, Yerk Sharir once, I think he said a long time ago, which is an ignored guest quickly leaves. The only reason why it leaves is because there is no more energy. Just like if there's a hologram, you know, that's out there that's coming from a projector, if the projector's not putting the hologram or it's not plugged in for electricity, there's no more hologram. And so it's the same thing here. It's just, you're giving it so much energy right now. 99% of your energy is going towards this self-concept. And it's so sneaky because like in that moment where it's just like calm and peaceful, it's like, oh, this is calm and peaceful. Yes. And then it's like, how do I hang on to this? And yes. like, I think your mind almost, I feel like, or at least my experience almost tricks you into thinking you're doing spiritual work, like through the mind, but it's, it, it's not, it's just hooking you in another way. Yeah, it'll do anything it can to grab you. Mm -hmm. And that's the that's the wild uh, whole thing about this is it literally will do everything that it can to grab you and shapeshift you in a way. That's why I'm saying that the ego will split. It'll split itself. That's why I even used that example earlier, which is like, oh, I need to die before I die or I need to kill the ego. And it's like, then I can go live. The minute it says then I can go live, that is another form of ego. It splits itself. Mm -hmm. It's literally going, okay, you're gonna go die so then I can go live. That in itself is still ego. It's just, it's now quickly grabbed you to go, now you can go live because now you've killed this over here, but you haven't done anything. And that's, that's why it's so, it's so, you have to just 
you have to pay attention. That's why everyone always comes back to you if you're in, if you're aware, if you're in the power of now, if you can see this, if you're if you're surrendering, you watch it all unfold, and then that's how you start to feel more authentic. It, but it's just it's it you know also if you just like I am like who you ask that one question is who is I am, you know I am the one that experiences. And this is the technique that you can do. The uh, I think the you have to start small though, right? You have to start like it's not going to happen on big things that trigger you. But can you do it with the driver in front of you? Can you do it with the email that is like a three irritation at work? And just simply ask, once you get irritated or frustrated, can you simply go, who's the one that's irritated? How do I know I'm irritated? How do I know that the irritation is now gone? And you just start with the simple things that you can bring awareness into that moment where it tries to distract you. And the more you can do that, the more you'll be able to simply watch this process that's unfolding because it's all it is it's a process that unfolds just we're so addicted to the process it's way more addicted than anything we've ever had in our lives it's we're so close to it that we don't realize that the process is happening do you think meditation is key to building that muscle or do you think you could do it with emails phone calls anything that is kind of just showing up yeah. do you need do you need both I don't think you need it. I think it helps. Mm. I think meditation helps. I think anything that you're doing to work under, I mean, there's past life regression, there is cathartic breathing, there is what, a hundred different techniques that are out there. There's cold water therapy. There's, I mean, everything, all that helps, right? All helps. And what it's helping you do is to be able to stay centered longer while life is happening, to be aware of what's happening so you can continue to release more. Mm. So all of the techniques are designed to give you more time before you collapse, before it grabs you. That's why meditation, when you first start to meditate, people come in and they go, I just, or, or it's a little less now because I think more people are meditating more. But I remember when I first started meditating, people were like, I can't meditate. And I'd be like, well, why can't you meditate? And they'd be like, well, I can't meditate because I have all these thoughts. And I go, well, <laughs> that, is, that is your meditation. You've, you've realized that you have all these thoughts. And, and I'd always ask the question, so you don't think you have thoughts outside of meditation? They go, well, no, I do. I go, no, you're just so addicted to your thoughts outside of meditation. You have no idea they're even running your life. Mm. And that becomes the spiritual kind of gateway drug into meditation. At least it was for me, it was meditation. Because I started realizing like, wow, I'm so addicted to this. I'm so addicted to these thoughts. The deeper you have meditation, it's like you're training in meditation. But in life, you have to bring that into it. So you have to still do the deeper work. It's actually very, to me, it's very easy to meditate. (laughs) It's, and, and I don't mean easy in the way of like, it's, it's always been easy. It's just, it's just sure, it's finding the time, but like you just kind of, you know, you either open your eyes or close your eyes, you do a mantra, whatever your meditation is, and it's relatively easy. The hard part is actually bringing that into the waking state. It's bringing that when there's a problem. Can you meditate when there's a problem? Can, I mean, what I mean is, can you be experiencing life in this world, but not so caught up in the world that you can experience what you're actually experiencing? And the answer for most is no. That's why meditation is the more meditative states you get into, the more you can bring into these smaller problems first. That's why you start with something small. Your child, right, does something and it's like, you know, you're irritated because they didn't put their plate in, right? Okay, you're frustrated. In that moment, most people aren't to the point where they're going to throw the plate, right? So mm-hmm. you that happens and you go, wow, see how fast I got frustrated from this? And see how fast my mom wanted, my mind wanted to quickly just like get frustrated or wanted to be irritated at my partner because this plate was out. That's what your mind does. And you just become aware of that simple step in that process. You go, man, my child left her plate out. Okay, great. We can work on that. But I was about to get angry Mm -hmm. for the next 15 minutes because the plate was out there. 
that's where you start. It's the simple, simple things, and you watch that process unfold. And then you realize, you go, well, this must be happening everywhere. But you have to start with these very small things where you can stay in control, but still experience the disturbance so you can start relaxing through it. That's how you develop this muscle. That is the real work. Meditation will help you do that. It gives you that space. But what really has to happen to find that, you know, that true authentic self is to keep removing the things. And then you don't have to find your authentic self. You show up as authentic self. It wouldn't even be a thought that even asks the question about how do I show up authentically? You just are. Mm. And you just, you just show up. But that's where, like, where people start is like these simple things. Your phone dies early and now you're frustrated. Okay, great. Can you handle that? If you can't handle it, you can't, right? Or again, all these, think about all the small things that don't go your the weather or whatever it is that don't go your way. That's where you have to start this process of going back to this, what am I supposed to be doing here? Get rid of the things that are telling you what not to do or giving you the things that are telling you to do that you're listening to that are not part of what you're supposed to be doing. If you get rid of that, there is no more voice telling you what to do and therefore you show up in contribution. Mm. But you, it's that, again, the first step, and I don't think we've, we've talked about it to that level before, which is just, it's, it, I always think about like the simple, simple things. Again, like, the, the, like your sneakers are, have muddy and you got you know, dirt on your floor, okay, right? You're now frustrated. You just simply watch, now, can I handle this? Can I go get the vacuum and sweep this up or vacuum it up? And instead of, this is bothering me, then I yell at one of my kids because the next moment happens. That's where people get triggered. So it's these simple, simple, like all of life becomes these moments where you can just pause, reflect. Again, it's relax, release, then act. So I, I used that analogy this morning, right? Like I put my shoes on to come in here and I realized I was tracking dirt everywhere. And I go, oh, I must just go grab the vacuum. But like before that would have been, oh man, I can't believe why didn't I do this? I, I don't have time for this. I'm already late. Your kids are... You just don't make it a mess. You just simply go, what's the next action? And the action was just to pick up the vacuum and it took me 45 seconds and I put it up and I put it away. Mm -hmm. But it's, we get, we, we stop using intellect to try to find who you are. You're never gonna find it there. You'll, you'll go down a path and it'll hold you there, but you're never, gonna, you're never gonna itch that part of you because it can't be solved with words. It can't be solved in a game plan. It can't be solved in a path that you've laid out for it. Because all the path is saying is, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm going to go do this. And that path is the same path as the other way. It's the same form. The only way you truly do this is to get rid of and keep getting rid of the stuff that's, that's causing that in the first place. And then you show up to the moment and you raise the moment. And therefore, you're truly a living, authentic self. Do you think you have to actually be like, maybe not even meditating, but sitting in stillness or doing some activity where you are like grounded in in a quiet place to be have that felt experience of like oh there's something different besides my mind in here no i think you'd be anywhere so i think it, the disturbance has to be small enough that you can stay seated mm -hmm. and you have to be aware and you have to look for this process that's why i always tell everyone when they first come into project U is like the first week that we're going to be doing this is all about you just being aware because all I want you to do is being aware of how many times you get triggered and then go get triggered and do your thing i just want you to start being aware of it people come back and they go wow I had no idea how aware I was. I had no idea how much I got triggered by all these things. Mm -hmm. And I go, think about all the things that you weren't aware of that triggered you, that you're paying attention to. But that's where it starts. It's like if you want to learn how to you know, ski, you have to learn first how to like, you have to be aware that you're putting what boots are and how you put your boots on and, and how to get the right boots and how to get the right skis or how you put your skis on before you can even get on the mountain. And it's the same thing with spirituality. It's just sequential. It starts with a phase. No matter anything you do in your life starts 
at some point small and you just build upon it. Most of us want to go out there and skip all of that and be like, and what they really say is like, I want my the ego will jump in and go, well, I'm just going to go meditate and therefore I'm going to be enlightened or I'm going to go, I got this stuff down or I'm going to go read enough things and take enough classes and go sit in the Himalayas and go be around all these masters, which is wonderful if you want to do that, but it's not going to do the work for you. That's like literally like going around and sitting next to famous baseball players and watching them pitch and watching them hit and being in the dugout and reading all about their books and then thinking that you're a major baseball player. Mm. It's not. You actually, In order to be a major league baseball player, you have to do the work. Mm. And the deep work is not – the reading helps. The models help. All of that helps. Like, and I'm sure that interaction with baseball players would help you become a better baseball player. But if you're not swinging the bat or throwing a ball, you're not going to get any better. If you're not taking at bats and spirituality-wise in terms of letting, practicing letting go in these very small things, you're not going to be able to let bigger things go, which then lead to more greater peace and authenticity. Mm. I love that. I think that's a really rare perspective is that like actually just being in the world, doing what you're normally doing, like you don't actually have to set aside time every single morning to meditate and still be doing this work at a pretty deep level. You know, there's um, uh, many people say that the, or at least I've heard it before, that one act of release, like one act of release, I don't, I think it's like a normal, like one act of release at all is worth like six to eight hours of meditation. Mm. So like one act of like kid leaves the plate or your partner leaves the plate and you see it and you get frustrated and you actually release that energy pattern. Again, we talked about it last time about the scars, you release that, that's worth like six to eight hours of meditation. Mm -hmm. So think about how long that would take to be able to do that. Yeah. I also heard another study recently that it was something like you just need to focus on an item, anything that you choose, some, preferably something calming like leaf or nature or whatnot for one minute and it has the same effects on your body as if you were to do meditation for 20 minutes That's or awesome. something that affects yeah. Not exactly the same thing, but just the idea that we don't have to have these like huge chunks oh. of time set aside to be building that awareness. And also that like, it's not that you only do it during these times. I think that's where people get caught up and like, well, I'm going to this retreat next week and then I'm gonna work on there. Well, that, like, what are you doing the whole other time of your life? Yeah. If it, again, there's not, those are wonderful things to do because you're, you're helping advance your skill set. You're getting more knowledge. That's all great stuff. But if you're not putting it into practice to do the work, you're not becoming a better player. You're not becoming a deeper person. You're not becoming a more higher consciousness being unless you release that part. It's not just going to happen to you. That's why spirituality is so difficult to talk about because it's not a, I'm going to go, it's like if you were going to go run a marathon, like somebody can show a plan and you still got to go do the work though, right? If somebody laid out and said, Gary, the first week you're going to run 20 miles. You know, the second week you're going to run 30 miles and you're going to take a break. If you don't do the miles and you show up to the marathon, you're not going to finish it, right? And so you have to do the training. That's why all of this and spirituality, what people are really searching for now, I believe, in spirituality, which is how do I do the work? How do I run my mile, right? That's what they're looking for. That's why we try to bring these tactical examples to it. In my experience, what people are asking, which is, okay, when rubber hits the road, what do I do? How do I actually make this happen? How do I actually put this in play? And that's what we try to bring into 200% life concept, which is when you're in life, let go. That is your play. That is your work. Release first. Relax, release, then act. That is your play, but you have to start. And the more you do this, the more at-bats you get. The more at-bats you get, the more you see it, the more you start to see it, the more you put it into play, and you become a deeper, wiser individual. But that's what people are really looking for, Caitlin, right? They're looking for, how do I actually do this? Like, that's really what people are saying. I, I, mean, I know hundreds of podcasts I've done, and people ask the same questions, which is just like, okay, how do I really do this, Adam? Like, what do I do? And it's, it's, they want like 
how do I physically move my body, right? Or like, how do I do something? How do I write it down? Give me a checklist. Yes, they want to do that. I go, no, you actually, I'll give you the checklist. It's relaxed, it's released, but it's way different than anything you've ever done before. Mm. But that's the deep work. That's that's the work you have to do. Mm. And what all of the the books and scriptures and wonderful people that are out there that share these ideas, there's so many great masters out there, they're all pointing to the same thing. They say it differently because everyone has a different nature and we see things differently, we experience it, we use words differently. We, some people are more charismatic. I talk very fast. Some people talk very slow. Right? All, all these different things. And by the way, I, I used to think that like, well, if you're going to be a spiritual person, you have to talk very slow until I've listened to other people who are spiritual masters that talk very fast. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, it's just, you have a nature, right? And your nature is what it is. Like it doesn't mean it's, 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 you have to talk slow or you don't have to talk slow or you have to talk, you have to be charismatic or not charismatic. That has nothing to do with it. It's just truth is truth and wisdom is wisdom. And I think that's, that's the, what people are looking for, which is how do I actually go do this? So if we could leave people with one takeaway of one thing that they can do today if they want to experience their authentic self. Like what would just be the one thing that they could be looking out for? Like, okay, this is my opportunity to I mean, have that experience. To me, it's, you, you, have to, you have to be aware of what's happening. If you're not aware, you're not going to be able to do any of this. So like this, I know it, and then people go, well, what does aware mean, Adam? Like, what is it, what is it being aware? Stop going to the mind and asking what awareness is. That's what instantly everyone listening to this podcast goes, okay, what is aware? And like, they look up, they try to ask their mind, their mind tries to define it, what it is. It's just looking around. You see things, you're aware. You're aware that there's a voice going on. You're aware that you feel a certain way in your body right now. Maybe you're tired, maybe you're excited, maybe you're anxious, maybe you're angry. You feel it. That's being aware. Then you're aware that you got frustrated with this plate or you're aware that there's traffic. That is the process itself and that awareness will then leak into you naturally wanting to release that because you go, oh, this doesn't feel good. If I release this, I naturally feel better and that builds upon itself. Mm-hmm. But until you're aware, it doesn't matter how many techniques people lay out for you, you're not gonna do them because all you're doing is that you're doing them at the intellectual level, which isn't gonna do what you're looking for it to do, which is then you're gonna think like none of this works. You have to be aware that awareness keeps you centered, keeps you present, it keeps you in that seat of consciousness. There, from that point is where you do your work. But if you're not at that point, you can't do the work because then you're just caught in ego or you're caught in mind. And then it's impossible to do the deeper work. And that's why everyone writes books about the power of now or present moment or being in the moment or surrender because all of those things are saying, if you're not aware, you can't do any of this work. It sounds like, too, it's also a commitment to being aware because as you're saying, like each time you do it, it's almost like you get a little bit further back into awareness. And so you have to keep showing up. It becomes easier to be aware. It becomes more difficult to let the relaxation happen because the releases and the relaxations become bigger. Mm -hmm. And in the beginning, you become aware. That's kind of like that first stage of spirituality. It's like maybe you have one glimpse of awareness and you think you're in this honeymoon phase. But then the reality sets in and you realize, holy mackerel, there's a whole bunch of work to do here. And you naturally find yourself wanting to be aware. And then what happens though is bigger things start showing up and you're going, wow, this feels really difficult. But then what will happen is you get to a point through this process where actually no matter how big it is, you know that at some point it will go away and it will release. And so you end up actually... You look, you look forward to it only when it shows up. You don't look forward to it being like, okay, I'm ready for it because it'll show up when you're not ready for it. It'll just show up. 
anytime that it shows up, you just you truly allow it. You you now that it's there and you're experiencing it, you look forward to releasing it because you know it's going to be gone forever, and that becomes your gift. You go bring it up, bring it up. No matter where you are, it just matters. It just shows up randomly, and so that when you when you do that deeper work, that's what gives you the the ability to find more.